Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. Joe George behind the glass, the assistant to the regional manager. It is a Thursday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. You know what would be sad if... The Astros are down 3 nothing, But they're not! They won a baseball game yesterday. We have a series, right? We have a series? We have a series in the ALCS. It's a series, right? Uh, it's a definitely series. it is. It's a series. Absolutely. I was told so by the analysts last night. Did they say that? After the game, they said, we, now we've got a series. Oh, that's right. They did say that. Yeah. They did say that. It is a series. It, we have a series. The Astros win yesterday, 8-5 to five over the Rangers. Game four later tonight, Jose Urquidy. And then, of course, Game 5 tomorrow, come join us at East River 9 and watch the baseball game with us. How about Christian Javier? Christian Javier continues to be big game Javi. Even though his playoff ERA went up, even though his playoff ERA as a starter went up because he gave up two runs in five and two-thirds, and as a starter in the playoffs, has never given up a run before, uh, carries a no-hitter into the fifth inning and shuts down the Rangers for a while. Ends up giving up the two-run homer to Josh Young, who is a stud. But uh, Christian Javier, two runs, five and two-thirds, keeps that Ranger offense at bay. The Astros offense does their thing. They score five runs before Christian Javier ever leaves the game, and that's what we wanted to see from the Houston Astros yesterday. It absolutely was. I mean, this was the absolute recipe of all recipes for success for the Houston Astros. You couldn't have asked for more because – you got the kind of pitching performance you desperately needed. You got the offense to wake up almost all across the board. Uh, and you got a guy that when we said we left the air yesterday talking about, hey, if he gives you five innings and, and only gives up two runs, I'll take that. And he gave you so much more. Yeah, he gave up a bomb, but he just looked like he had the old Javier stuff. And it's so difficult to think and fathom that, hey, there's a guy that no matter what kind of struggles he has in the regular season, when the playoffs come come into play, there's a switch that can be flipped. There's a different gear that he can find. And there's a guy that can deal the way he deals. And, and to hear a guy with the experience in his back pocket like John Smoltz talking about, this just isn't supposed to happen that you go three games without giving up a run until he no. fi- finally did and, and only two hits. It's crazy what he's been able to do. We talked about it the after game three of the ALDS because Javier, he finished the regular season pretty good. Uh, certainly had a really good start against Arizona. Martin Maldonado mentioned after the game to somebody from The Athletic that uh, ever since the Baltimore game, and I think that was one that you pointed to, like in mid-September or whenever it was, that that's whenever it started clicking. That's whenever he started to figure out. And you look at the line scores and it matches with what Maldonado said. Every start since then, with the exception of one, he's been really really good and we talked about after the uh, twins game in the ALDS like were we giving Javier enough credit because of his up and down regular season mostly down as opposed to Christian Javier being great in big moments Javier since that start by the way that Maldonado mentioned three and oh with a 205 ERA 33 strikeouts and 26 and a third Christian Javier whenever he's pitching in the playoffs as a starter is even better than that mentioned the ERA went up with his performance yesterday he's had four playoff starts big game Javi he's four and0 in those play in those four playoff starts he's won every single one of them he's four and0 with four playoff starts his ERA's 0.87. In four playoff starts. That is ridiculous. That is stupid. 26 strikeouts in 22 innings. Four playoff starts, 22 innings, and he has an 0.87 ERA? That's ridiculous. It, it just is. And, and that's why I said to hear Smoltz kind of just spread it out and, and lay it out for you. He's like, he's talking about 
they started throwing things around about legendary status in the playoffs. And, and, and you know, the, the way that they're looking at him and what he's been able to accomplish is like putting him at, at a certain level with greats in playoffs across the history of Major League Baseball. That's not something that's supposed to happen to a guy this quickly over this short a period of a time to do what he's been able to do. But it was exactly what the doctor ordered. It was just what this team needed. And the one thing that you noticed right from, you know, we always, we were talking about the fact how important it is when they get out to the lead and they get, they score first. You could just notice it in the dugout. There were smiling faces and joking and ribbing each other and, and just lightheartedness that we haven't seen. They've been super tight. And they've looked very starched to the to, yeah. uh, up until last night. Javi certainly the lead. I thought the biggest pitch in that game yesterday was the Scherzer breaking ball on the dirt the that Jonah pitch. Heim yeah. didn't mm-hmm. block. Because look, does he groove a fastball to Martin Maldonado if he's not upset that Heim let? I mean, it wasn't an easy pitch. I think it was kind of an easy pitch to block. But pitches in the dirt are always kind of random. Like, what kind of bounce are they going to take? What kind of spin are they going to take? I thought Heim was very, very late getting down to the knees to make sure he blocked it, kept it in front. Yeah, and and, and it didn't seem like his other hand came over real quick. No. He, it caught the heel of the he glove. He got lazy. Yeah, and then the other hand wasn't there. And then before you know it, it's it's squeaking away. A domino effect. Like, does Scherzer look different in that inning if there's not that wild pitch? We'll never know. I think it's likely. Possible, I think it's yeah. possible. And the fact, too, that, that it gave the Astros the lead. And we, we talk a lot about theories of why the Astros struggle at home. Ocho always brings up when the Astros are trailing in games. The Astros are good when they lead in games. So the fact that you – and also after the pain you had, Matt, too, because you had the bases loaded – one out. Mauricio Dubon gets that hit. You hold Jordan at third base. I thought you needed to hold Jordan at third base. We saw later when you wave Jordan, he's going to get thrown out at the plate. I thought it was a fine hold by Gary mm-hmm. Pettis. So you got bases loaded, one out. Very similar to the situations you had in game one. Very similar to the situation you had in game two. Bases loaded, nobody out. Jeremy Pena to the plate, and he gets jammed, hits a pop-up to Simeon. You're like, oh, great. Mark, uh, Martin Maldonado comes yeah. to the plate. Again, you're going to strand the bases loaded. And I'm sitting there thinking in my head, hey, spike a breaking ball, get it by a high. Lo and behold, it happens. Then Martin Maldonado comes through in a big spot, and then the Astros kind of cruise to a victory. You had some stressful moments throughout, but you, you never trailed in that baseball game. I thought that was the play of the You're game. Right. Javier, the lead of the game, he's the story of the game. I think that was the pitch of the game for the that Astros. That was the pitch that started it. It kind of opened the door, and then the floodgates opened up, and then the fact that the rest of the inning, the way it played out, to establish that it was a crooked number, to establish that you had a pad, that was big for Javier. That was big for the whole team, and that was the kind of first deep breath that this team could take knowing how much pressure and how much you know that was on the line for their season to come through in this game I think they were able to relax a little bit I thought one of the interesting things was we talk about the numbers that they put up we talk about what they were able to do in the entirety of this game but then it's when we talk about what ifs I think it was four other hits including two other Altuve at bats in which balls would have gotten out of at least half the ballparks in Major League Baseball that didn't get out there. It's weird because at certain points, the ball doesn't seem to travel. Yep. And then at other points, especially to center field, the ball travels forever. The uh, the first one to Altuve in the first inning, like Altuve's reaction as soon as he hit that ball was he put his head down, like tossed his bat aside like he was disgusted yeah. with himself. It looked like he, to me, off the bat, I was like, that's a routine fly ball to center field. And all of a sudden, Tavares is like on the warning track. And from that moment, I was like, well, the ball's traveling in Arlington tonight. The ball's carrying in Arlington tonight. And we ended up seeing a bunch of home runs. So I think that, I think the ball does travel pretty good in Arlington. It'll be interesting tonight, though, because the roof's open. Like, I don't yeah. know what the ballpark factors are like whenever the roof is open in Arlington. I was reading on Twitter that they haven't opened the roof in a game in Arlington since, like, May. 
So I have no idea how the parks. Now is that play. another Major League Baseball decision? Uh, it has to be. It has I think to it be. Has to be. But it's very weird again that Major League Baseball just gets to come in and decide that we're gonna we're gonna open yeah. the roof tonight. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. I don't either. I'm not a fan of that. Now. It is consistent, and in fact, I know what it is, because Major League Baseball, the, the reporter that was reporting it said that it, this is MLB protocol, so Major League Baseball is making the call there. I, I don't love that. Like, you do, you earn the home foot advantage. You should have say of what your ballpark looks like, whether it's a roof, whether it's, you know, how thick the grass is on the infield. You earned home foot advantage. You play home foot advantage within the rules of the game. I don't like that they're determining playoff roofs open shut now. I don't think it's like whatever. Like I don't like it, but it's also not a hill that I'm going to spend a no, whole lot of time on. No, but at the on. same time, you think about some of the biggest home field advantages in sports, and you can't let the league come in and dictate. Like if you have a huge advantage, whether it be like heat versus cold or weather related, you know, if there's an if there's a chance with a retractable roof, where all of a sudden you decide instead of the home team that hey, we've been playing this all year, it's a huge advantage for us if a team from the from the West Coast has to come play where it's cold or a team from the East Coast has to come where it, and play where it's really, really hot, that's an advantage for you. And if Major League Baseball decides, oh, we're going to take that away from you, I don't think that's right. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I, I'm with you. I don't think either team in this case like gains a tremendous advantage. I don't know what the ballpark factors are like with that with that stadium and the roof open, too. Like, Waka here on the Twitch is saying that it, it, it's going to limit the carry. I don't know. Like, do we know that? Do we know that to be true? They haven't had the roof open since May in a Major League Baseball game, so did, I have no idea. Did you notice the other thing that's very quirky about that? It's a turf field, right? Uh, is it? Yeah, I guess so. Did you notice the fact that Bregman had the one ball that he had to range to his left for? And you could read his lips after the play. He went, wow, ball's wet. And huh. then and then another ball was hit, and there was a little bit of a rooster tail. And I'm like, why are they watering the, well, the I, turf? I can tell you why. Why? Because it's not going to be an advantage to Christian Javier because he's a fly ball pitcher, and they think it's going to help Scherzer. But how does the water on the field? Because it's, it's, it doesn't get through the infield as fast. It, it slows down the baseball. I would think with grass, you're right. But I would think with turf that it's still, yeah, because of the rubberized, it's going to skip. Yeah, turf makes it interesting. But, but I, I guess it depends on how the ball is hit. Because if it's like a chopper, it's going to kind of be a sponge effect. Where yeah. if it's like a low liner, then I think you're right. It probably skips. So yeah. I guess it depends on the trajectory you, of the baseball. I mean, Physics it, it, with the killer bees. It's very typical Arlington <laughs> that you're going to water a turf field. I didn't, it was just I didn't, very odd. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I went back and watched the, the game again this morning. And you can re- clearly read Bregman's lips. He's like, wow, ball was wet. That's weird. And I'm like, what? What are we doing with? It's not a grass field. That's the only. Th- that's the only thing that I could come up with. The only reason. Now why. you water the infield, so maybe yeah. as you water it, because we know that the, I, I've had an issue with how they overwater the infield at Minute Maid. But I guess when you're watering the infield dirt down, yeah, the water can also slide off into the turf. And it was to his left, like towards to short. the left. Yeah. So there wasn't dirt there. No. Like there's. It was I, in front. The ball was in front of him. Now the the base cutouts at uh, at Arlington, they're dirt, right? The whole infield. It's it's a full infield. Okay, so it's not a turf infield, right? I wonder if they just super watered the dirt. That's, that's the only thing I could think of was that there was either spray off of the, the infield or they just oh, they, when they were just letting the water hose out that they got the grass. That's so or weird. The turf. Hey, that's bizarre. We have a uh, we have a jam packed show. We don't really have a show tomorrow. We're going to be on for thirty minutes and then turn it over to ESPN's coverage of the ALCS. But we're going to be at East River Nine watching the game. We want you to come out and watch the game with us at East River Nine. No better spot for food, drink, weather's fantastic. So join us tomorrow, East River Nine for ALCS Game Four. We'll be there watching the game with you. But because we're only 
going to be on the air for 30 minutes tomorrow. We're doing two shows today. We're doing a lot of our Friday stuff today. BZ Money, where we've been killing it. Todd Callis is going to join us as well. Uh, Lee Sterling, he'll be on with us. We're going to talk plenty about yesterday's win. And, and in fact, Jared Carabas, who covers Major League Baseball for DraftKings, he's going to join us next, too. So jam-packed show. This is where you want to be on a Thursday afternoon with the B. 713-780-ESPN-HRMP listener line. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN975. He's at Pac-Man Joel. He's at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Branham. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. We're going to be jam-packed. We're going to be in a hurry today. We don't want you to be in a hurry out on the roadways, but if you kind of are and you get into an accident, that's okay because you know that you can call Hollingsworth Law Firm, and you know when you call Hollingsworth Law Firm, you don't owe a cent until you win your case. That's the biggest thing, Jeremy. That, that's the biggest thing. When you're talking about Hollingsworth Law Firm, you're talking about when you need in an auto accident, you need someone that's going to be in your corner. You need people that are going to be on your team to help you get the results that you rightfully deserve, especially if it wasn't your fault. And the other drivers at fault and they and their insurance company aren't going to be very forthright and forthcoming with the information and being able to support the fact that you need to get your vehicle right. You need to get yourself right. You need to be compensated fairly if you're missing work. And a lot of times you feel alienated. You feel alone. You don't know who to turn to and how to get what you rightfully deserve. The Hollingsworth Law Firm specializes in car wreck in uh, an accident uh, settlements. They'll go after the insurance company. They'll file a lawsuit, and they won't make you pay anything unless you win. That's the best part about it. And don't let these insurance companies run over you either. Call Hollingsworth Law Firm. They know how to deal with these pesky insurance companies. They know how to beat these pesky insurance companies. Call right now for your free consultation, 713-999-8773, 713-999-8773, and visit CarWreckTexas.com, CarWreckTexas.com. Killer bees who won't sting you unless provoked. Here's Joel and Jeremy. Let's go straight out to the HRMP guest line, being joined now by Jared Carabas, covers Major League Baseball for DraftKings, joins us all the time. We're appreciative of a few minutes with Jared as well. Jared, ALCS road team has won all three of these. Astros lose the first two in Houston. They get one back yesterday in Game 3. They'll try to even the series later tonight. What have you made of the first three games of the ALCS? Um, I mean, I, I'm, I was surprised at the fact that the Rangers took the first two in Houston. Uh, I was even more surprised to learn that no team in LCS history has ever won a series after losing the first two at home. And, the, and my first thought after hearing that statistic was, I think that this Houston Astros team is probably one of the most, if not the most equipped to uh, come back from from that and be the first team to come back from that. Seven straight American League Championship Series appearances. They've been there. They've done that. They've had new names and faces, but they've maintained some of the same core that's been there the entire time. I don't think that they feel pressure. This is just, it's it's almost like a business trip for them. And it, it was the least surprising result ever that they were able to win game three last night. With that, Jared, we look at it and we say, look, you know, we're sometimes we're a little too close to the situation, but we nitpicked because during the season, Javier wasn't the Javier of the last, you know, couple of years. And it definitely wasn't the Javier of last year all the way through the playoffs. And then he started to find it a little bit at the end of the regular season when they needed it most. But this run that he's been on with his play with the playoffs has just been on another planet. And a lot of people here, they look at it, they hear it, but I don't think they can really digest it and understand the magnitude of it. What was your take on how he's pitched in the postseason? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I saw the stat last night that before the uh, the Josh Young home run that he gave up, that he uh, had only allowed like two hits in the postseason in his yeah. career or something like that. I mean, there's just certain guys that when it comes to October, they can flip a switch and it's just a different ball game to them. Uh, you know, uh, we, we did our preseason predictions on the podcast before the season started this year, and I know someone picked Javier to win the Cy Young Award this year, so I think that was certainly piggybacking off the success that he had last postseason. Didn't have the regular season that, you know, you would include a guy's name in, in the Cy Young conversation for, but it doesn't matter. You know, when you, when you go to the postseason and you have guys that have been there and done that, he's certainly one of those guys. And at times, especially in these big games, he hasn't just looked unhittable. He has been unhittable. Yeah, it's it, the numbers are insane. He he had some bullpen assignments in the postseason before the starts, but in his last four playoff starts, he's four and zero with an O eighty seven ERA and has given up five hits in twenty two innings. He, he's on another level, and, and another guy who's on another level for the Houston Astros is, is Jordan Alvarez. If you're in the shoes of Bruce Bochy, I mean, yesterday bases loaded, you have no choice to pitch to Jordan Alvarez. But what's the game plan trying to attack? If you want to attack Jordan Alvarez, if you're in that Ranger dugout. Um, I think Jordan Montgomery's approach of just hammering him inside, but I think Jordan is such a good hitter. I think we saw it last night where he can bring his hands in and it doesn't matter if he gets it off the, the bottom part of the bat. If he, even if he doesn't barrel it, he's so big and so strong that he's still going to be able to hit the ball and, and find some grass up there for a base hit. You're going you're gonna to limit the damage, certainly, if he's not going to barrel it up. But the Jordan Montgomery approach was, just hammer him inside, throw him strikes, make him think that you're going to pitch him away, but then don't. <laughs> uh, but outside of that, there's really nothing you can do. You know, when you're talking about uh, matchups from your your bullpen arms, like what are you supposed to do with Jordan Alvarez? You bring in a lefty, he's just going to hammer the lefty anyway. I mean, I remember the Mariners going to Robbie Ray out of the bullpen to face Jordan, uh, and that didn't work out. I mean, there you can't pitch to the guy. It's he, you know, just like Javier, when you get to the playoffs, he's one of those guys that he can just turn it on. And all the comparisons to David Ortiz as one of the best postseason performers of all time, he is undoubtedly in in that conversation now. Jared, your thoughts on the the Astros bullpen? We know Fromber struggled. We know the starters have been an issue for this team all year. But that bullpen, maybe it, it, the numbers don't say they, what they were a year ago. Uh, in terms of the best bullpen in Major League Baseball. I think a lot of people look past this pen this year with some different names and faces in, in certain areas. But it, it, your thoughts on what has been just a rock-solid bullpen for the most part when you look at the Rangers and, and guys that were in their starting rotation during the year are getting used and, and in some cases abused while the, the Astros' bullpen stays rock-solid? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it, it kind of goes back to the beginning of the year, right, when you – watch the world baseball classic and you see Presley out there doing his thing. And I mean, the, the back end of the bullpen is about as rock solid as it's going to get. And for, for Presley specifically, you're talking about a guy that has the postseason pedigree and there was no gradual upgrade to his season. It was just like, all right, we're going to start with big games in March and then you're going to be chasing uh, the Rangers all year. You're going to be chasing the Mariners. Like it's, it's almost like that that bullpen has been pitching in big 
spot since day one. Um, and, and that just, that's just talking about this year. Never mind, you know, the guys that have pitched in the postseason in years past. I've been very impressed by it. Uh, by comparison to the Rangers bullpen, they look much better just because of how awful the Rangers bullpen has been this year. Uh, I am honestly stunned that, uh, last night was the first loss for, for the Rangers this postseason. I've, I've picked them in every series so far, but I, I, I never had them just sweeping teams because, uh, their bullpen is such a great Achilles heel for them that they, you know, they've, they've cost them so many games. Whereas with Houston, um, you know, you feel good with a lead late handing the ball over to those guys. Jared Carabas covers Major League Baseball for DraftKings, joining us on the HRP guest line. And to that point, one thing they've been good in the postseason with with their starting pitchers is getting deep into games with the Evaldi, uh, with Jordan Montgomery. Doubtful that's going to happen with Andrew Heaney. He's been pretty good as of late, but just hasn't been stretched out. Jose Arquini for the Astros, who's been pretty good as of late. His season ERA, not wonderful. This might be a game where you get into the bullpens a bit, both sides. Uh, what are the Astros getting with the lefty Andrew Heaney tonight? Yeah, I mean, to, to your point, bringing up Avaldi and Montgomery, like those were guys that when you're playing in these shorter series, when you're playing in best of threes and best of fives, you can trot those guys out there um, and you're, you're looking pretty good. But then once you start to get to the Max Scherzers of the world and the Heaney's of the world, well, now you've got a fighting chance. And um, you know, Heaney is a lefty, obviously. Uh, he's pitched well when he has pitched this postseason. Um, I, I think you're going to start to look to your right-handed bats. I know Altuve didn't have a hit in the series coming into game three, hit the home run last night, uh, Bregman with the home run in game two. You're going to look to your righties, and, and obviously you're done. It doesn't matter, lefty, righty, he's going to do damage. Um, but that's that's going to be the key is those guys, Bregman, Altuve, if they're going to get the heat. Well, well, tell me, Jared, because you said you, you've picked the Rangers in every series so far. I'm curious, did you pick them to win this series, and how do you see the the series playing out from here? Who has the advantage, and do the Astros have have a shot? Yeah, I mean, this is the, tonight. Uh, I think tonight is for the series. Uh, I, I, picked, I picked the Rangers, I believe, in six uh, for this series, but I think whoever wins tonight wins the series. I think that that's a pretty fair way of looking at it. Um, it's a it's a big big game tonight. I know that um, you know Urquidy is a guy that you know he's in and out of the bullpen. He's in the starting rotation, so it's not exactly the sexiest pitching matchup of all time when you're talking about whoever wins takes it. But I think whoever wins game three takes the whole thing. Yeah, uh, I, game four. I think is what you meant, right, Jared? Tonight's game, game four with the, the yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, especially. Yeah. I mean, if the Astros get down three one, and in the way Jordan Montgomery shoved in game one against the Astros. I know you have Verlander. I just don't like that matchup from a Houston Astro perspective against Montgomery again. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like you know Verlander is a guy that you know you beat him once. That may be the only chance that you get uh, against a guy like that, and. Um, he's, he's saved some bullets. It wasn't a full season for him entirely. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think game four, whoever takes it, that's, that's who's going to take the series. Jared Carabas, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate the conversation. What do you feel in the other series? Philly's just going to roll? Yeah, I, I, 
it's it's unfortunate because the the D backs were such a good story, but I mean they had no no business going into Philadelphia winning a game. They didn't. Uh, the series now goes back to the Phoenix, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, I I don't want to. I don't think that they have a chance to win the series. I think the conversation now pivots to do they win a game. Uh, we'll, we'll see if that's even a possibility because right now the way that the Phillies are swinging the bats, um, they've got a plus 33 run differential in eight postseason games, which is basically a third of their entire production for the entire season this year. <laughs> so they're just, they're on another level. And I don't think that people are really appreciating what exactly the Phillies are doing in terms of pitching and being able to hit top to bottom. Yeah, they're red hot. All right, Jared, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Hope to do it uh, again. Enjoy the playoff games today. All right, you guys too. It's Jared Carabas covers Major League Baseball for DraftKings. Really good at it uh, as well. All right, Dusty Baker. He's always a topic of contention. He's always a conversation, good or bad. Got to admit, yesterday, Dusty looked like a genius again. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about my good friends at Doc Linville's office. Look, Doc Linville is the best in the business at the Neograph procedure, but he also does some great things. He does plastic surgery. He does Botox. If, if you guys are looking for the ultimate perfect gift that keeps on giving for your significant other, or maybe you're looking for a tune-up yourself, the bottom line is Doc Linville has a variety of different services that he can offer for you, too. But, of course, his specialty, in my opinion, because I've experienced it firsthand, is the Neograft procedure. Maybe you don't need the Neograft procedure. Maybe PRP is all you need, and you can regenerate some of the hair growth that you need so that those bald spots get more full, so that that thinning becomes thicker, so that you have a better head of hair, and that with that, a more confident look and a better overall uh, confidence level because and an appearance because of the way you look when you look at yourself in the mirror. You're not trying to cover it up. You're actually proud of the, the hair that you have. It's fantastic. And if you don't know about the Neograph procedure, I encourage you to go to 975hair.com. If you do that as an ESPN listener and set up an appointment with Doc Linville and his staff just to understand what the Neograph procedure is, it's free for you. It's normally 150 bucks. Nothing that you have to sign on the dotted line for. No commitment. Nothing that puts you in a, in a predicament because now you have to do something you're not feeling comfortable doing. Go in, ask questions, get answers, see if the Neograft is right for you too. I can speak from experience. It was an unbelievably easy uh, overall experience for me. The appointment and the actual procedure was painless. The, the Almost immediately, you can see the, the, the follicles and the hair growth. And in six to nine months, you're going to see stronger, longer hair that's going to be with you for the long haul. And the best part of it is it's your own hair. Check him out today and tell him I sent you by because he's the best in the business. And I'm not just saying that. This dude knows what he's doing, and he can do what for to you what he did. Broadcasting live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, deep inside the secret bee cave, it's Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham. There's one, two, pitch. Ground ball left side. Pena's got it to second one. On the first, there's two. And the Astros come to Arlington and take game three. Back on the road and back in the win column. Paul is a dog. Are the Astros dogs? Went on the road yesterday. I don't know if they want to hear him bark like Paul, though. Um, Do you agree with Jared? Can we just add on? Jared Kravis, Jeff Kings, MLB analyst. Uh, Whoever wins game four wins the series. Um, I was thinking about when he said it. I I mean, I think that 
there's still so much baseball to be played. I, I think that you got a hell. I think you got a, a guaranteed long series that's going to be really nip and tucking, and, and there could be another moment if if the Astros win. And I think that if the Rangers win, I just I just think three one would probably be insurmountable for the, for the Astros. It would be a tough hill to climb. So I'm not going to say that it's it's definite. And I don't. So I guess I'd say I disagree. I disagree that tonight is the deciding factor, but because I think the Rangers could still win the series if the Astros win tonight, but. We'll see what happens. I just think it's too early in the series with these two teams because this hasn't you haven't had like a, a Phillies Diamondbacks ten nothing blowout. You haven't had games where you were just you know one team totally dominated and looked hyper talented opposed to the other one. I think these teams are very evenly matched, so I think it's a little too soon to say this is the deciding game. I was doing radio in Austin, and I I, I agreed with Jared. I said it this morning that that whoever wins tonight is going to win the series because I I don't think the Astros can come from behind three one with Jordan Montgomery with probably Fromber in a game six. Now, if you get it to a game seven, I like my chances there. Um, but if you win tonight, now it's two to two. You got to take two of three. Verlander Montgomery would be tight. Game six. Frumber doesn't sound great, but then I like my chances in a game seven. So I, I do think that it comes down to who wins this game tonight. Tonight is imperative. Tonight's critical. Every game in an ALCS is is critical. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. I thought Dusty Baker managed to tell off uh, yesterday. What, what did you make of the Astros skipper? How, how did you think he managed in yesterday's win? I, I think that just about every button that he pushed, uh, really worked out for him. I mean, you look at moving Brantley up. Did he get any hits? No. Did he make a hell of a catch? Yes. Uh, but is he a guy that has to be focused upon and really feared as a hitter at the top of the lineup? Absolutely. Dubon, no-brainer. I mean, you put him in and the guy just performs. Um, you know, the buttons that he pushed, the way he orchestrated his lineup, I've got no problems with any of it. And then when you get to the pitching side of it, it was one thing that, you know, you just say, look, Javier went out there and he did unbelievable things. But when it came time to start managing the bullpen, the way he brought Neris in to get the one out, then let him go into the next inning, then or, then went to Abreu, then went to Presley, it's hard to argue with the fact that Dusty, again, in the playoffs, has been a guy that is is killing it uh, when it comes to making decisions. The bullpen struggled a bit yesterday in terms of the numbers. You know, three runs, Neris gave up the homer, Brian Abreu's inning, whatever. Like, I'm more annoyed by the leadoff walk than I was the Adolis Garcia punch shot into right field. That was 100 miles per hour off the plate at the knees. You tip your cap there. Far more annoyed with the leadoff walk than I was the Adolis Garcia RBI single. But this is how I would have handled it. We were talking about it yesterday when we were at Wakefield Crowbar. You have three guys guys to eat up four innings. Well, it turned out you had three guys to eat up three and a third. So I thought that Dusty handled the, the pitching staff just as he should, just as uh, as I would. Um, the Michael Brantley thing, like kind of a wash. Like he could have made that great catch if he was batting sixth as opposed to True. batting second. But I, I wanted Brantley up in the top of the order too because he's been swinging a good stick. Uh, the, the, the contention that I had yesterday was the Abreu-Tucker thing. I mean, you score eight runs in a baseball game. Who cares who's batting fifth, who's batting sixth? Now, Tucker did look good. Like that, Maybe maybe there's something to uh, him batting in the sixth spot. Maybe there is something to him having some you know less pressure. Although, I think that this demise of Kyle Tucker has been greatly exaggerated. If you go back and you look at some of his like exit velocities, and I know Dusty Baker like exit hits, not exit velocities, he's been stinging the ball pretty good. But you know, Kyle Tucker was on base four times yesterday. Abreu had a big double, so... Look, I'm not going to criticize it in hindsight. Yeah, I did criticize it in foresight. In hindsight, you can't get mad at a lineup that scores eight runs. No, you can't. And you look at even Abreu. Abreu had a double. Abreu was on the base pass. Abreu was doing things. Tucker, you're right, looked a lot better, a lot more comfortable, looked like he wasn't pressing as much and had a little bit more of a command of the zone. 
uh, and was relaxed a little bit more. So, again, whether that was the reason why or not doesn't matter. It just seems that whatever Dusty has chosen to do and when he chooses to do it, and he's very quick to tell you that he chose to do it and the moves that he made, they've been effective. They're working, and, and this is why, you know, you look at it and say from the Dubon and the center field discussion, I don't know when Chaz gets back in the lineup because it's hard to go away from a guy that when you put him in you know, one of his last games, if not his last game in the Minnesota series, he had two hits. When you put him in last night and he continues to hit the baseball and they're timely hits and they end up getting you runs, you look at it and say, I, I can't remove this guy from the lineup because he's he's being he's too effective right now, and we need offense. That's the other thing too. Like going with Dubon, obviously the the right decision. Um, now it wouldn't stun me if Chaz McCormick's in the lineup tonight. I wouldn't. Left? Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't it's like it's not Chaz for Dubon. It would right. be Chaz for Brantley because yep. there's a lefty. Personally, I would play Brantley tonight, even though Heaney's the starter. Who who would you play in? Uh, what would be your outfield? Left field, center field. I'm I, I'm with you, and this is kind of similar to the to the situation that we talked about uh, during the season when I was adamant at when Yiner was hot that righty or lefty, I'm going Yiner in this series with what we've seen of uh, of just the appearance, the plate appearances by Michael Brantley. I'm putting Michael Brantley in the lineup for the rest of this series. I believe in Michael Brantley, the professional hitter. I believe in Michael Brantley, the the gamer, when when big plays are on the line. He's got another guy that's got an even, steady heartbeat. But even defensively, the play he made, I was, I'm just scared to death of his shoulder and something happening. But other than that, I want Michael Brantley out there. No disrespect yeah. to Chaz, but Chaz has looked like he's pressing, and Chad looks very uncomfortable at the play. Brantley in left, Dubon in, in center. Tucker and right, and there's your outfield. That, that's where I'm at, too. Uh, if Brantley has another over today, then we can reevaluate tomorrow against Jordan Montgomery. But this is going to be a bullpen day, and they're, Bruce Bochy is going to play the matchup games. So, like, really, the question's not like, who do you like more against Heaney? The question is because you're predicting what Bruce Bochy's going to do. He's going to bring in the lefties for the lefty pockets, going to bring in the righties for the righty pocket. Would you rather have Brantley versus lefties or Chaz versus righties? I'm, I'm trusting the professional hitter in Michael Brantley in a bullpen game. I, I'm going Michael Brantley. I'm running out the same lineup that they used yesterday. Even though I was critical of it yesterday, you scored eight runs. It felt like it had good feng shui. I, I'm rolling that out there again. If Brantley has a bad day at the plate today, you have Jordan Montgomery, who's going to be a longer starter, obviously, tomorrow, then that's a game for Chaz McCormick. I, I don't think Chaz McCormick should be in the lineup today. I think it should be the same exact lineup. And honestly, I think Dusty is going to run out the same exact lineup again today. I think that's when you know we talk about Pawpaw's belly. I, I think he, he's a guy that's not going to – if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And, and, and in this case – with this scenario and the way the offense looked and how everybody felt looked and felt comfortable and they put up as many runs as they did, I understand that you know it's a different pitcher in a different situation, but I wouldn't blame Dusty at all if he rolled out the exact same lineup because if they're producing like this, I believe that they got confidence and I'm going to go with them again. 713-780-3776. Let's go out to the HRP listener line. Philip from Pennsylvania is joining us. What's up, Philip from Pennsylvania? Hey, how y'all doing? I love the show. I've been listening to y'all for a long time. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for listening, man. I'm originally from Houston, but I, since I moved to Pennsylvania six years ago, I still listen to y'all, you know, from live stream. But, my, like, what I want to ask, uh, um, I think Dusty Baker should keep the same lineup. Chaz McCormick, I mean, I think he did good. By moving uh, Kyle Tucker, I mean, now Kyle Tucker can get going, you know, moving to the sixth or seventh spot, whichever spot he was in. So I think Dusty Baker, he's not Dusty. 
I think he's doing a good job. I think tonight they win, and we take it 2-2, and we'll see what happens in uh, game five. Sounds and good. That's all I gotta say. Appreciate it, Philip. Thanks for uh, thanks for following us to, to Pennsylvania. We we certainly appreciate that. Um, I, look, I think Dusty did a great job yesterday. I was critical of the Tucker over Abreu. I still feel some kind of way about that. But you score eight runs, you have scoreboard on me. Like I'm willing to eat that. I'll take the L on that. Uh, I, I do think that the. Kyle Tucker's been awful since September is a little bit egregious. Kyle Tucker's had over 850 OPS since September. You would love that in the middle of your lineup. Uh, Kyle Tucker's not had hits in this series, per se. Now, he's hit the ball hard. He had that double yesterday, and he he reached base. But maybe that's because he's in the sixth spot. There is one thing that I like him in the sixth spot that I didn't really like have the realization until watching that game yesterday that Dusty probably did have the realization because he has more baseball knowledge in the nail of his pinky than I ever will. I, I do like Tucker reaching base in the sixth spot because now he's a base threat. Now he can still base. And if you have Mauricio Dubon hitting behind him, Mauricio Dubon's a contact hitter that hits singles. So Kyle Tucker reaches on a walk. You're still second base. Mauricio Dubon comes through with a base hit. I like that in that spot. I like running like in the back end of a batting order. I don't like running in the middle of my lineup because what do you do there? You run into an out. All of a sudden, there's nobody on base for Jordan Alvarez. So I, I do like that aspect of it that I didn't think about before the game yesterday. Yeah, and I'm with you. I, I just I don't want to run into outs, but you know because I don't want to see Maldi starting off a, another inning, or in this case, it would probably be Pena first and then Maldi. But you know what? The bottom half of the order. Stepped up last night. The fact is, is that you got malt, you got production out of Maldi, you got production out of Dubon, you got production out of Pena. They got on base. They set the table a little bit for the for the top of the order again. And the Dubon situation to me is just what's amazing to me is he looks so bad sometimes and gets caught on his front foot. And and you know even Smoltzy on the one said, you know guaranteed almost he's going to swing at the first pitch and it's probably not going to be a strike. And it was like a foot outside in the other batter's box. One, he swung at it. Two, somehow he amazingly put a barrel on it. But he's, with 0-2 counts, he's so good at at least putting the ball in play and talking about what well, you and I have talked about, that he's, he still will make contact and put the ball in play. I think that's big down in the bottom half of the lineup. And, and then he's got some speed. So uh, I like what the, what the fact that the bottom half of the lineup has, has looked, looked better last night. And that's just another reason why I wouldn't touch what they're doing right now because I feel like they've got a lot of confidence. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Who who plays left field, center field for you tonight? Dusty manages tell off yesterday. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. Mike Holly, U of H class of nineteen ninety, go Cougs. He's been protecting the interest of businesses for nearly twenty five years. Used to protect the Heisman Trophy winner. Now he's in the business protection game. HRP provides comprehensive human capital management services, including HR compliance, benefits administration, payroll. They're up to date with all the tax stuff that you need to know. HRP will take care of you and your business. They will also work with you to customize a plan for whatever you need. You might not need uh, the whole you know, bells and whistles of everything. You might need one thing. You might need two things with your human resources and payroll company. Well, you can do that with HRP because they will customize a plan for you. There's nothing cookie cutter about HRP. A lot of help you need. They got you. You need a little bit of help? They got you. HRP will create a plan for whatever you need. Also, their customer service second to none. Uh, I've contacted their customer service quite a bit. You know, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. I have questions all the time. I send emails because I'm an email guy. Always quick. Always very easy to understand, very, very helpful. So if you're an employer that cares about your employees, 
Give them HRP. They'll certainly appreciate that. The customer service is fantastic. Let HRP take on the demands of human resources. Eliminate your HR burden so you can get back to growing your business or spending time on the golf course. Give them a call at 281-880-6525, 281-880-6525. Let HRP customize a plan for you. Check them out online as well, HRP. Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. He's Blank, I'm Branham. Uh, Lamont saying, how do you think Astros, Rangers, Texas showdown will match up with Thursday Night Football? I'm guessing he means ratings. Yeah. Look, uh, I don't. Need, who, who's playing Thursday Night Football? Saints and the Jags. I think the Astros, I mean, look, football's king across the country for the most part. I think there'll be a lot of people that are going to check in. So I just think it's more about the sport than it is the teams. It's unfortunate, but I think as much as we love baseball, I think that for the rest of the nation, they're going to be football-focused. They normally are. I haven't seen the early ratings on on these playoffs, but you know, obviously the networks are clamoring for the, the big cities, the big networks, the L.A.s, the New York's. But I think there'll be pockets. I think there's a, there's a lot of interest down in the South because of these two teams. Down in the South. I just don't think I just don't think baseball translates to ratings anymore on the national level. Yeah, I think it's the difference between local and national. National Thursday night football will blow the Astros yep. game out of the water. Uh, I would say state of Texas that baseball carries, sure. especially in the cities. Uh, the Dallas, Fort Worth, Arlington, Arlington Metroplex, Houston. Uh, I think that the uh, baseball numbers will outweigh the football numbers. I'd be curious to see that in hindsight. Lamont, pay attention to that for us and let us know. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Uh, Ocho sent us a text earlier. I lost it. He said something along the lines of, I'm liking uh, Javi's secondary pitches. You notice he used that changeup more yesterday. Yeah. He was using the changeup, and Fox was calling it a slider, yeah. as a matter of fact. Yeah, and especially with the slow-mo. It was weird that they'd show the slow-mo, yeah. and you could tell what it was, especially Smoltz, and they were referring it. But I did, I do give them credit for being the first to figure out. He threw 14 straight fastballs to start the game. Yeah, he was challenging. Uh, until he, he threw a slider. And the, the, the dong that he gave up was was a cement mixer slider that, did, that didn't slide. It hung. That's it. Shocked me that Young went the opposite way with that. Like I, I, I was like, who cares how you hit the ball out of the yard? You see hanging breaking ball, you think pull, pull, like he open went, your hip he and oppo taco on a hanging breaker. It was so weird. And he was, I mean, he was just zoned in. He was dialed in. He was putting good swings on it. He's a young cocky kid that's got a lot of pop in his bat, and he took advantage of it. But if I'm Javier, look, I mean, Smoltz said it with his fastball. But like that's the thing. He's got other pitches in his repertoire he can go to. I think that change can be a very, very valuable pitch for him and if he just chooses to use it more. We talked about this with Hunter Brown in the past where it's not that his stuff doesn't translate to getting guys out. It's how are you using your own stuff that could be effective for you? And he was a guy that for the most of this season did not use the changeup nearly enough. Javier, you know, if you fa- he faces this lineup again, He's capable of mixing it up even more with that changeup as opposed to a, a, the steady diet of, of the fastballs and the sliders. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I like the changeup a little bit. Ocho also sent a, a stat to us. The MLB Network was uh, posted this. The lowest opponent average in postseason history, minimum 40 innings, belongs to Christian Javier, which is insane. He's got a 123 opponent batting average in his postseason career. He beats the likes all time. Of Kenley Jansen, that's a closer. You would expect yep. a closer to be on this list. 148, Zach Wheeler's 156, Tim Lincecum, 172. A fellow by the name of George Earnshaw, who's black and white picture, 174. It's tied with Mariano Rivera, 174. Well, remember Lincecum, the, the lanky, skinny, long hair? But, boy, he was effective for a while. There was stuff flying all over the place on his delivery. But 
He got he was effective for a while. He fell apart so quickly though. Yeah, he did. It was weird. Like he hit a wall and it was game over. But remember, he still got like he still got looks with like four or five other yeah. major league teams, someone trying to find it one more time. He just never did. Yeah, he bounced around a bit. 713-780 ESPN. Let's go out to the HRP listener line. Art, you're in the hive with the bees. What's up, Art? Hey guys, I'm not sure if y'all talked about it already, but it seemed like the third base coach messed up two or three times in the game, right? Like, first he held up Jordan early on, and then late in the game, obviously, sent him whenever he got, you know, out at home. Y'all notice that or anything? Yeah. There's been, some, there's been some Gary Pettis conversation in the playoffs, uh, even before this game. You had the one the other day where I think it was the bases loaded situation two in the outs. fifth. Well, well, there was the one with the I think two, that was game one. That was two outs Yeah, when you and I had the conversation of should he have sent them or not. I think that was game one. Uh, I could be getting. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They were down, and that would have been a chance to put a number on the board. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. We were we disagued on it actually because I I didn't want to run into it out with the tying run to the plate, and it was fifty fifty split like within the fan base yesterday specifically. There there was two that stood out with Gary Pettis. Uh, There was the one in the second inning when Dubon hit that line drive kind of towards the line, but it still got it was still a one hopper to Evan Carter, and he still fielded it before Jordan Alvarez was at third base. Now, Jeremy Pena didn't help out Gary Pettis by popping up, but in the wild pitch, Martin Maldonado kind of picked everybody up. I, I would have held Jordan in that spot Well, in when second. you look at it, two different variables on that play. One, Jordan froze on contact. I don't know exactly why, but I thought that, you, you know, because I thought you could see it was tailing towards the line, and it looked like it was definitively going to get down. But once he froze, and because of the velocity that the, the ball was traveling at, I just didn't think he got a jump at all where when you look at in retrospect, when you look at the wide angle on the replays, he would have been dead to rights if, if no matter how fast he got going because of how quickly that, that whole play tra- uh, kind of transpired. I thought it was the exact right call there to hold him. Uh, and I thought that he that Gary Pettis made the right call there. Yeah, I did too. I was not in favor of uh, of sending uh, Jordan in that spot. And then the the other one was in the ninth inning when Tucker doubled off the uh, the right field wall with two outs. Adolis Garcia deked. Like I don't. He did. I hope that Jordan didn't fall for that because you have two outs. You should not be falling for a deke with two outs. Now I didn't see like a like an all four bases camera look. I think he was running on contact. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. My general rule with Jordan Alvarez, is I never want him to draw a throw to the plate. I'm worried about collision. I'm worried about him sliding awkwardly. I'm worried about losing him. It was a three-run game in the ninth. I know you want an extra run. You want an insurance run there. If it's me, I am never sending Jordan Alvarez where there's going to be a play at the plate because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, "Uh uh-oh, I might lose Jordan Alvarez. So I didn't like the sin there from a game theory point of view. I would have sent him from the fact that it was Jordan Alvarez and I want to put bubble wrap around Jordan Alvarez. I wouldn't have sent him. Yeah, just from a a pure baseball perspective, I think you send him there. It's an extra base hit with two outs. You got a chance to tack on an extra run that could be big in a game where the bats seem to be clicking for both sides at least a little bit late for the Rangers. And I don't I didn't have a problem with that at all either. I totally understand your perspective because of who it was, but just from a baseball perspective, an extra base hit, uh it, that late in the ball game, you're trying to tack one on and and a lot of times the defense understands once that ball hits the wall it's going to be a tough play for them and a lot of guys kind of relax. Yeah. They were just on top of the play, they made a good relay and they got him out. Yeah. Thank God he didn't slide. Anybody else I would have uh, I would have sent. Jordan Alvarez, I'm keeping that guy as safe as possible and I'm being uber careful with him. I'm being a helicopter parent with Jordan Alvarez. I'm going to make sure that when he falls I'm there to catch him. 713-780-3776. I don't think I thought he was pull- I think there was a play. He pulled the shoot but I, I don't think it was no, like a real wholehearted slide. It was 
was kind of one of those half-assed kind of yeah, probably. slides. Yeah. yeah, kind of just like went through the motions yeah. but still slid. Like, don't slide. <laughs> like, I don't want you to get hurt. 713-780-3776. There was the other, I don't know, if, I don't think it was yesterday, but there was one where he went around third hard and then slammed on the brakes. It might have been yesterday. And I was like, man, I don't like him slamming on the brakes like that either. Yeah. Like, I, I'm super protective with my Jordan Alvarez. I just am. Because his offense means too much. I Seven, thought he was going to make Gary Pettis a hood ornament, come in hard and just run right into him. <laughs> yeah, Gary would not have survived that, unfortunately. Let's go back out to the HRP listener line. Tron, you're in the hive with the bees. What's up, Tron? Hey, guys. Uh, first off, yeah, I totally agree with everything else just now said about Jordan Alvarez. I mean, I'm watching it from a TV. I'm not at the game, and I can even see, like, nah, don't send him. Oh, you just stopped him. The, the, the brakes hurt. But, uh, yeah, so y'all nailed that on the hammer. Thank you for that. Smart minds think alike. What I wanted to discuss is, I mean, it's it's beating on it. It's the same thing, but obviously, yeah, tonight you play Doobie. I'm a huge Chaz fan. Ever since he made that catch last year, you know, like that put him on the map for me, on the radar or whatever. And I love Chaz. I got my Chazmanian devil shirt. So I'm a, I'm a big chomper. But even me, I'm like, he strikes out a lot. Uh, it seems like lately he has not been clutch. He does get like one hit a game, you know, one for four every game, but it has not been at the right time. Whereas Doobie's hits, I don't know, something about when, I mean, when he was playing second base for Altuve, the guy was just clutch. So I like Doobie there. And then the, just the other thing I wanted to say is like, we got to be cool, man. We're the Astros. We're the world champs. We've been there, done that. Like everybody has to just have a good temperament. And, like, I know it's, like, a serious situation, but honestly, if we don't get the World Series, like, I'm fine. Like, I still love my Strohs. We did really good this season. So I think our boys just got to go out there and, like, like your nerves. Like, when we are playing the Braves in the World Series two years ago and then the Phillies last year, my nerves were going crazy bonkers, you know. But, like, this year, I'm cool. So I just wanted to just throw that out there that the Astros, like, no matter what, we love you. And, you know, like, keep that heart rate low, man. Appreciate that, kind of Joe George. Over the last couple of years, he was kind of stuck going crazy bonkers, and now he's cool. I uh, I, I kind of have the same feeling. Like it's, I haven't been. My heart rate has been much calmer. Maybe it's the second You've been World Series. Reptile. Maybe it's because I feel okay in this series. I, I don't know. I don't. It's kind of weird. Like it's not like me. Honestly, we talked about it yesterday. Don't want to play the Phillies. I don't want to play the Phillies. Uh, no, Phillies <laughs> Maybe are, that's it. There. No, I don't think so. They're a steam engine right now, yeah, and that's going to be. That, but let's get there first. I mean, to me, just looking at it, the, the biggest thing that we talked about was if there's any team equipped to still make this a series and be in this series and do what's necessary after dropping the first two at home, it's this Astros team. It's not just this Astros team this season. It's this Astros team over the last several years with all the animosity they faced on the road. Yeah. And so there's nothing to believe in your heart that the series was over because they dropped the first two. Now, lo and behold, if they win tonight, now you really got a hell of a series on your hand. I love that Tron called us smart, great minds, but it came on the hills of saying that, uh, nailed that on the hammer. No, so I don't I know. That too. I don't know if this is the, I don't know if this is Jack Easterby being the general manager of the Texas, but we love you, Tron. We're just having some fun. 713-780-ESPN, the HRMP listener line. When we return, joining us on the HRMP guest line, Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports. He's going to give you winners from this weekend in football. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 90. 97.5 ESPN 92.5.